Turn up the volume, turn up the flavour. Wings, beers and sporting glory. Only at Winghouse. You're listening to the All-American Hour with Geordie and the Chief. Good morning. Welcome to the All-American Hour with Geordie and the Chief here on SEN. Great to be with you again for day number three of our daily Super Bowl show leading into the Super Bowl next Monday between the Kansas City Chiefs and the San Francisco 49ers. We are uh, getting closer and it's getting more exciting over there in Las Vegas as uh, Radio Row now in the lead up to the Super Bowl really uh, begins to ramp up. The teams have made their way into Las Vegas and uh, there was opening night last night uh, in Vegas at Allegiant Stadium. So uh, the Chief is uh, going to join us. So we got you there, Chief, from Radio Row. Hello, Chief. We might be having a few issues here with uh, with Chiefs line as it does get pretty busy out there at Radio Radio Row um, out there in Las Vegas. So uh, I can only imagine the amount of uh, signals and uh, different internet connections being chewed up uh, at the moment. So uh, we'll just get our uh, establ- re-establish our connection to Chief. But um, Chief has actually uh, spoken to a couple of Chiefs players. So as we learnt uh, yesterday, no correlation between. Uh, the Chiefs' nickname, uh, the Chief, and uh, and the Kansas City Chiefs. However, he did catch up with a few Kansas City Chiefs players, including uh, uh, Justin Watson, the wide receiver, and Tommy Townsend, the punter. And we're going to have a look today also at the uh, special teams units of um, of uh, both pl- of both teams. As now that we are getting closer to the start of the match, we're still about a week away, but we're going to start looking at the uh, a bit more of the nitty gritty. We've looked at a bit more of the uh, the fanfare aspect of. The Super Bowl and uh, and uh, and everything that surrounds Las Vegas, but uh, over the next couple of days we'll be looking more at the match itself and also what the matchup entails and uh, and where the the game can be won and lost. So special teams will be our first look at that today, and then we'll uh, work through sort of unit by unit and go uh, through the defense, the offense, all the skill positions like wide receiver and running back, and then also the quarterback at the end of it all. We're here thanks to Winghouse, the best seats and beers always guaranteed. And uh, it is a pleasure to have Winghouse on board. Have we got you there, Chief? I hope so. Yes. Loud and clear. Mm. There oh, we go. All right. Okay. <laughs> uh, uh. So, I guess, welcome to the program for this morning. Um, how's Thank your, you. How's yes. your last 24 hours been in Las Vegas? What's been happening? Oh, well, it was just a fantastic experience at the uh, NFL, uh, the Super Bowl opening night. Uh, kind of replaced the media, media day with a night event, which uh, I think is really great. I think a lot more of the media can participate because there's a lot of radio shows that uh, operate during the day. And at night, they, you know, obviously a lot of sports radio is playing live games, whether, you know, NBA or NHL or college basketball now. So felt like it was even, a, you know, a more... Um, energetic media day and certainly uh, or uh, opening night as they call it now so yes so yesterday was was the media day and that's where all the players get put up is that right on their on their tables and everyone can have a chat to them yeah it's it's called opening night now but yeah that's it's exactly what the uh, the media day used to be uh, the top uh, 11 players from each team have their own podiums uh, surrounding a circle and then the other 40 or so players uh, um, you know, walk around the field, and you're you know lucky to be on the field, uh, stepping on the same turf that the players will be playing on in, in a handful of days, uh, and yeah, interacting with some of the players. Obviously, there's a lot of uh, media that's almost trying to be the story or the show. Uh, a lot of people dressed up in some pretty wacky outfits. Um, <laughs> 
and also, you know, some pretty hacky media questions, just a lot of the lame, you know, what's your favorite Taylor Swift song, and you know, silly stuff like that. <laughs> um, but uh, there was some actually some really good football talk, and um, that was what I enjoyed. Excellent. You had, a, you had a chat to a couple of them, too. Yeah, you know, uh, I got to talk to Justin Watson, the wide receiver from the Kansas City Chiefs. We uh, share an alma mater, uh, the University of Pennsylvania, which doesn't uh, is not a hotbed for NFL players. So uh, we had that connection. I was able to uh, talk to him a little bit about that experience. And, and I had to talk to the punter, Tommy Townsend, uh, on the Chiefs side, who's an American, and about how, uh, uh, you know, the punting uh, uh, landscape is... is change yeah absolutely so we'll listen to those interviews uh, a little bit later on in this hour and uh, today we're also going to have a, a look at the uh, uh, we're going to start looking at sort of unit by unit these uh, these teams and the matchup uh, leading up to Monday's Super Bowl between the Chiefs and the 49ers so we'll do a special teams uh, chat today and that'll uh, fit in nicely with Tommy Townsend being the punter of, uh, of the Kansas City Chiefs against uh, Mitch Wisnowski, which we haven't really spoken about, hasn't really been spoken about much here yet, is that we've got an Australian in a Super Bowl yet again. It's Mitch, Mitch Wisnowski for a second time. Uh, we had Ben Graham, obviously, uh, a couple of years ago, about uh, 10 to 15 years ago now in, in a Super Bowl, but we've got another Aussie on the field today. So, oh, not today, on the, on Monday coming up this year, but, um, uh, but we'll, uh, we'll chat about that and have a look at, uh, have a look at him. Uh, a little later on. Um, so what's uh, so? Tell us, walk us through what what was. Uh, how did it all look? How does it play out uh, at Allegiant Stadium on on opening night? So is it? It's all. It, I saw a few pictures from it. It's all very uh, sort of looks very glitz and glam. Yeah, a lot of yeah, pomp and circumstance. Uh, uh, there was the Raiders cheerleaders te- uh, group. There was the Kansas City Chiefs cheerleaders. The 49ers cheerleaders. Um, so they were there. There was some drum uh, groups. Uh, there was, um, yeah, uh, just a lot of, you know, promote, you know, just kind of building up the atmosphere. Uh, and then they, you know, didn't announce the players, but the players came out. Now, the, the most notable thing is it was vast majority of 49ers fans in the building to the point when they had both players talking pretty much back and forth. Uh, anytime a Chiefs player spoke, he was drowned out with booze. And anytime a 49ers player spoke, the place erupted. Now, a lot of that has to do with the fact that this is a, a quite a local event. Uh, I don't think the this crowd will be the same on uh, Sunday, Super Bowl Sunday, Monday for you. <laughs> um, but uh, definitely going to be more 49ers fans in the building. But this particular night, it was almost, uh, it felt like 80 percent plus uh san francisco fans a lot of it's the location and the fact that they when this team didn't have uh, this city didn't have an nfl team a lot of people jumped on the 49ers uh due to their success in the 90s uh when this city was growing and also uh, the you know general location yeah true i never thought about that is that yeah obviously san francisco is a lot closer to nevada than uh than Kansas is. Kansas wouldn't be that far away, I suppose. It's still sort of mid-America, so it's not as if it's the East Coast. Yes, yeah. Though the Kansas City Chiefs play in Missouri, it's the Kansas City, uh, yeah, there's Kansas City, Missouri, Kansas City, Kansas, but Missouri, uh, Kansas City, Missouri is actually the bigger city, and that's where the Chiefs play. So uh, they're actually from the state of Missouri, uh, really. 
Tell us about the uh, the ticket prices. I know this is something that uh, we've wanted to chat about on the program because the uh, the ticket prices for a Super Bowl can be uh, quite high. And uh, and this year, I think, uh, is it the, the the cheapest ticket is about eight thousand dollars. Am I right? Yeah, it's come down a little bit, but with you know, yeah. there's a very very active uh, secondary market, um, multiple. Um, basically auction betting, uh, um, bidding sites or, or sales sites. And it's come down a little bit, but with fees, probably in the six, 7000 just to get in. Obviously, you know, quality seats are uh, in the five figures. It's obviously all U.S. dollar pricing. Um, just, yeah, it's blown up. It was really about a decade ago when the, the whole, there was a big shift and they, the prices really broke out even further to where... Um, you know, they just, it was the Super Bowl in Phoenix with uh, the New England Patriots and the Seattle Seahawks. Whatever it was, that was the year. I don't know if, and it just hasn't stopped. And uh, there's a lot of reasons. Uh, you know, the events in general, ticketing has just gone up because people, younger people, are, want to spend more on experience than actual things. Um, and it, this is also a very small venue, I believe only 65,000 seats. Um, which is uh, smaller relative to other Super Bowl hosts. So, uh, and then the Vegas uh, being the first time here, a lot of money in this town uh, certainly is causing. I think it's going to be probably the all-time highest ticket get-in price. Wow! Yeah, that's uh, it, it, does it? I mean, it kind of doesn't rule out the the casual fan, but it's just the casual fan has to obviously uh, you know, fork out a lot of money, I suppose. So, is it becoming? It obviously has to become harder for just your, your casual sort of diehard you know, Joe Citizen, NFL fan, to actually get a ticket to the Super Bowl. Yeah, and you, you really feel for the, the fan, hardcore fans of that team. Um, you know, a regular season ticket holder for the Kansas City Chiefs is, doesn't, you know, sit in a great seat. It's not that crazy a price um, compared to what, you know, this experience would be. And um, obviously everything's expensive, really, in Las Vegas. And, uh, yeah, it's, it's unfortunate. But when you have an event that's there so big there's you know so many uh celebrities so many people have to be seen here i think that's part of the new uh um i'm not saying really you know influencers or instagram types but people need to be seen uh at big big events and that's part of the reason why yeah the 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 pure football fan of the teams are are getting priced out for sure uh how is uh how's radio row looking today we're getting a little busier around there yeah, I mean, I think it's almost twice as full, really, from yesterday in terms of uh, how many people are broadcasting and just the amount of people in the room. And um, I would expect, a, you know, a big increase uh, tomorrow and then, you know, really the end of the week. Uh, just, uh, yeah, it'll be a, uh, and I think really rocking. Brought to you by Winghouse, the best seats and beers always guaranteed at Winghouse. Make sure you get down to a Winghouse Either for uh, the Super Bowl, uh, make sure you get in quickly because uh, tickets all around uh, the uh, all around the country are uh, selling fast uh, for Winghouse for the Super Bowl Monday festivities, but also just any time of the year, right? Really get down to Winghouse uh, for the best seats and beers. As we are now about to get uh, have a closer look at the uh, at the teams uh, for um, for uh, for this Super Bowl, Kansas City and the San Francisco 49ers, and. Uh, and we're going to work through over the next couple of days, uh, position by position, and have a look at um, a bit, bit more of a breakdown on, on these teams and, uh, and where uh, the difference might be made. So we'll go through the different units. And, uh, and Chief, we're going to start off with special teams, uh, which is obviously the, um, the, uh, 
the 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 expertise area of uh, of Ben Graham, who goes uh, who really highlights the um, the impact of special teams and what that can have on a match. So we're talking about punting. Uh, kicking and also, uh, I guess, just the return units as well um, on, uh, on on pun and kick returns and how important they can be. A lot of that time, a lot of the time, it gets overlooked. Um, I guess when you're watching an NFL match or considering an NFL matchup, but special teams can actually um, sort, of, sort of unbeknownst, I suppose, to to maybe a, a bit more of a casual fan. Special teams can have quite a large impact on games and just how the momentum and the tide of a match can turn. Oh, of course. I mean, there's a, a few big elements. Obviously, the the place kicking and and scoring points and big kicks at ends of games, and we've seen uh, how important that is uh, in this playoffs already. Uh, then, yeah, the, the field position with the punting team and the return team, uh, and also you're just not making that catastrophic, play, you know, the the, f- the fumble or the turnover, the muff punt, uh, a block punt, which is quite rare, especially with these teams. Um, you know, you can't. Those plays can certainly flip a game. It can be the difference, and uh, very, quite possibly, could be the difference in this game. Uh, certainly, is a big advantage at place kicker with Harrison Butker of the Kansas City Chiefs, second all time in percentage of field goals made. He's a two-time Super Bowl champion, lots of experience, and Jake Moody, who's doesn't have the experience, doesn't have uh, the track record, and you know, missed a field goal early in the game, uh, the NFC uh, Championship game, and kind of, you know, set the tone um, and, and put the uh, Niners back and made a harder comeback. Uh, and, yeah, again, I think that's a huge edge for the Kansas City Chiefs as that place kicker. Yeah, Harrison Butker, as you said, one of the, one of the best in the league, uh, you know, perhaps – Top two, top three kicker in the league when you include the likes of Justin Tucker in that uh, in that conversation as well. So Butker's definitely got the upper hand there. And just uh, looking at his his stats from this season, he's had more field goal looks than uh, than Jake Moody. Uh, he's had a lot more than um, he's had a lot more uh, long range field goal attempts as well. So he's five from five from fifty plus yards this season. He's seven from seven between forty and forty nine yards as well. So he's got that long range boot. He's only missed two field goals for the season, Harrison Butker, so we know he can he can sink them from long range. Jake Moody's had a little uh, has had fewer field goals to score, but that's because there's been more touchdowns, I suppose, this season for the 49ers. So he's had uh, a much higher return in his extra points. Uh, I think 38 extra points uh, from 38 for Harrison Butker, but Moody's had 60 from 61. So that's the the difference there. Is that uh, the, the 49ers' offense just put the ball in the end zone a lot more? frequently than, than Kansas City have this season so it hasn't been the need for field goal kicking for uh, for Moody, it's been more extra point kicking um, for, for the kicker for uh, for San Francisco and also then uh, along with the kicking comes the punting as well so uh, when you can't score points uh, in a drive, it's uh, you punt it away to, to give the ball back to the opposition but you're aiming to put them as far back uh, into their own half as they can so they've got a, a longer field to get from their own uh, end zone, essentially, or their their own defensive half, all the way up the other end of the field, and uh, and this matchup here is uh, is the Australian Mitch Wisnowski from uh, the San Francisco 49ers uh, and uh, his opponent, who we'll hear from uh, a little later on in just a moment, Tommy Townsend, the the punter for the Kansas City Chiefs. Um, have you? Uh, is there is there an advantage either way here between Mitch Mitch, Mitch Wisnowski and uh, and Tommy Townsend, Chief? 
yeah, maybe a slight advantage for the 49ers and Mitch Wisnowski, and I think I kind of have to say that, <laughs> the Aussie bias, but it, it's actually quite possible we don't see a lot of punts in this game. Uh, both teams like to uh, work the uh, play clock, so we can see some longer drives. I expect to see a lot of drives ending in points, so it's possible we don't see much of the punters, but again, in a key spot late as a team is trying to hold on to a lead, um, yeah, there's maybe a slight edge to Mitch Wisnowski. Another interesting uh, question that was asked last night to uh, Debo Samuel, the wide receiver who can run as a running back, too, for the 49ers, is will he return kicks or punts? Um, uh, you could see that possibly happen in the Super Bowl. Um, and, uh, yeah, he you know he wasn't going to give anything away. Uh, but you could see some uh, skill position players maybe doing a little bit more on the special teams. Uh, in a Super Bowl, um, though you don't want to mess and have a mistake. Um, but, yeah, and then the other thing is with the field conditions being inside in a dome on, on turf, there should be no excuses for the kickers um, because there's no effective weather. The uh, I'm just looking back at the, the last Super Bowl they played because I have a vague memory and I've just had to look at the drive chart from uh, Super Bowl 54 when they met back in 2020, the 49ers and the Kansas City Chiefs. The Chiefs won the match 31-20, to 20, but... Um, the uh, the forty ers didn't actually have a punt until uh, deep in the second half. I remember I had a vague memory of uh, of the commentator saying, "This is the first time Mitch Wisnowski's on the field," and I thought, "Oh, that's it's almost like the fourth quarter, just about." Um, and I've had a look at the drive chart, and it, and it was so. The Kansas City Chiefs had two punts in the first half. The very first drive, they were three and out, and then a punt right before uh, half time. Uh, but for the uh, for the San Francisco forty ers it wasn't until. Let's have a look here. What minute was it? It was the... Um, it would have been sort of eight... Uh, where are we? Yeah, it, would, it was the eight minutes 53 left in the fourth quarter uh, that Mitch Wisniewski actually took to the field. So there wasn't much punting at all happening in the last time the 49ers uh, reached the Super Bowl against the Kansas City Chiefs. So to your point, we might not actually see a lot of punting in this match just because of how high-powered these offences are and, um, and how often they can get down the field and into scoring range. And also the new uh, analytics where teams are going for it a lot more on fourth down. So if it's, uh, it used to be if it's fourth and two at the midfield, you'd see the punter. But now teams are going for it on fourth down so much more often. So we are seeing a lot less punting. I should, uh, Mitch Wisnowski, he was in that game early because he was doing the kickoffs uh, in, in the last Super Bowl. Uh, but he's been replaced. Jake Moody is the kickoff man um, for the 49ers. Sometimes it's the punter, sometimes it's the kicker, depending on the team. Harrison Butker is the kickoff guy uh, for Kansas City. And we'll probably see mostly touchbacks. Uh, uh, very, I would be surprised to see a kick return or um, very many. Uh, the, uh, the, the return, so if, if there is a return though, Kansas City, their main returner is Richie James, the 49ers. Uh, their main returner is, uh, is Ray Ray McLeod, who's actually uh, become a bit of a, um, or he's, he's sort of carved out a niche for himself, I suppose, as a return specialist, Ray Ray McLeod. Uh, but uh, hasn't had, uh, I mean, having a return touchdown is pretty rare. No return touchdowns this season for either of them. But uh, but Richie James and um, and Ray Ray McLeod are their, uh, are their return specialists. Uh, so from special teams now to defence, where we can get our uh, teeth uh, sunk into that a little deeper. Um, just an overall view first on, on who you think has the best defence, just from a, a holistic sort of point of view. I think a lot of people might lean one way in particular, I'm, I'm thinking of one team out of these two in, in, in particular, but uh, which way have you gone here for uh, the defensive look at these sides? 
Well, yeah, I think it's the you know the 49ers uh, with a slight edge, really. Uh, mm-hmm. The Kansas City Chiefs, uh, this is their best defense they've had, I think, in the Andy Reid era. And uh, um, Steve Spagdolo, the defensive coordinator, has done a great job. Um, the 49ers had a little hiccup at one point in the season. And actually, their defensive coordinator, Steve Wilkes, came from uh, up in the booth down to the field. And uh, it seemed to get them going on the defensive side. Um, you know, it's interesting looking at the podiums going you know, a little bit back. Harrison Butker was one of the 11 that had his own podium, um, which was interesting. And uh, on the Niners' side, there was more defensive players, you know, and, and, and much more broad because uh, I just feel like, the, 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 you know, the 49ers have a little bit more star power on the defensive end. Uh, both teams have big-time pass rushers, edge rushers, and uh, Nick Bosa of the 49ers and, and uh, Chris Jones of the Chiefs. Um, I, the the slight edge, I think, it's the linebacker. Uh, Nick Bolton's excellent of the Kansas City Chiefs, but Fred Warner is a, an all-time great uh, yeah. linebacker. Uh, so I just think there's just a little bit more on the back end, too, that favors uh, the 49ers. Um, and the Chiefs' one weakness is the, the rush defense, a little bit more than the pass defense. And uh, that could be a problem with Christian McCaffrey. I could see, uh, yeah, Christian McCaffrey having a, a really big game uh, matching up against the Chiefs. Yeah, in the middle of that defensive line for for the Chiefs, you've got Chris Jones, who is the, the veteran of that side, and he's a he's a good player. But it's kind of you sort of look across that defensive line, and there aren't too many uh, names that stand out. I suppose Jones is one of them, and then in the last uh, in the last year or so, we've seen the the rise of, of George Karloftis on the edge, and he had a great. Um, I, thought, I thought he had a pretty uh, pretty good um, AFC Championship game against the Ravens, and he's probably. The one guy that they he's not as he's not an interior defensive uh, lineman, so again, it's not going to help with the the the, the rush defense against Christian McCaffrey. But um, if they do want to put pressure on Brock Purdy, I think Carl Loftus Carl side is where that's going to come. Yeah, absolutely. He's uh, he's been fantastic. I think he had the strip sack against Lamar Jackson in that uh, AFC Championship game. Uh, but with Steve Spagnuolo, it's also going to be blitzes and. Um, you know, hiding the blitz, you know, faking the blitzes, all the the, the games that uh, Steve Spagnuolo plays. So they're going to try to get pressure on Brock, Brock Purdy. Uh, from looking back from uh, uh, the rematch uh, a few years ago in the game that that Jimmy Garoppolo got some pressure early in the game. His the pocket was protected, but eventually they the uh, Chiefs defense broke it down. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, they're going to have to do that. They're going to have to put a lot of pressure on Brock Purdy if he has time. Um, with the weapons he has, the uh, the 49ers uh, offense is really going to be the story. And that's probably, well, just on Steve Spagnuolo, he's probably the biggest name on that defense. It's, it's not anyone on the field. It's it's the defensive coordinator, Steve Spagnuolo. So he, he has, he, he really was the main sort of mastermind, I suppose, in that AFC championship game against the Baltimore Ravens where the Chiefs didn't score anything in the second half. They didn't put a single point on the board in the second half, but they closed the game out with their defense. So we, we look at the team sheets and we look at the names and, you know, rightly so as well, we look at the big names because the big names are the best players. But but as a unit goes, you shouldn't underestimate what the Chiefs' defense could potentially do. I mean, I think the 49ers' offense has a lot more um, lot more weapons uh, to, the, to their offensive unit than what the Ravens did, uh, the Chiefs' previous opponent. But still, the Chiefs' defense as a singular unit were, were led magnificently by, by Steve Spagnuolo. 
Yeah, and he's really building his legacy. Steve Spagnuolo is the defensive coordinator of the uh, New York Giants, the 2007-2008 Giants that upset the uh, New England Patriots and that, that incredible Super Bowl. So, um, you know, Andy Reid had a long career, a lot of success before coming to the Chiefs, but never won a Super Bowl until he had uh, Steve Spagnuolo as his defensive coordinator. So um, he's really building up his uh, his resume as uh, as you know, one of the, the really the great defensive coordinators in history. In the in the secondaries, the Kansas City Chiefs, the main names there to look for, the Jarius Sneed, uh, the cornerback, Trent McDuffie, another cornerback who will play probably in the nickel, uh, Justin Reed and Mike Edwards as well, who's um, who's uh, stepped up this season uh, for the Kansas City Chiefs at safety, and then uh, Chavarius Ward uh, will be the main of the uh, of the cornerbacks for the San Francisco 49ers, and to Sean Gibson, who's been there for a long time. Uh, in the league as well for the 49ers at safety. Um, the uh, the names that the 49ers uh, chief that they've brought in over the last couple of years, particularly with their their um, their uh, player movement and their acquisitions, Javon, Javon Hargrave uh, in the offseason from Philadelphia, Chase Young as well uh, from Washington. Uh, they've they've um, they've drafted and 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 traded in particular pretty well. Um, over the last couple of years uh, into bringing those names in, particularly uh, Chase Young, who's the most recent acquisition from the San Francisco 49ers, uh, bringing him in from Washington. So uh, a draft pick, a very high draft pick, I think. I, don't, I can't remember if it was number one. I think it was number two, uh, Chase Young. But um, bringing him in after uh, an injury-riddled spell at Washington and then uh, and having him in that team. He's been more of an understated player, I suppose, because he has been injured um, over the last couple of years. Uh, so we haven't been able to see him or, or, or herald him as a great defensive player because he hasn't been on the field. Uh, but bringing him in as, as a name into that defense has been, a, uh, has been another smart move from the San Francisco 49ers front office. There is our first look at the, um, at the positional breakdowns of uh, these two teams. And so tomorrow we'll go through the offense and also the lines as well, the offensive and defensive lines. We did mention the defensive line here um, uh, in brief, but so uh, we'll have a look at the line play as well as the skill position players, so the wide receivers and the tight ends and the running backs uh, tomorrow, and then uh, and then the quarterbacks uh, later on in the week. Uh, Adrian, off the text, you can send through your text messages to zero four double three ninety eight eleven sixteen on the forty winks temper text. Uh, Adrian says, uh, as I mentioned, Mitch Wisniewski playing in the Super Bowl recently as an Australian. Didn't Aaron Sipos play in a Super Bowl? As well, well he, he did. He uh, made it back just in time for uh, for last year's Super Bowl. Jordan Mailata uh, also for the Philadelphia Eagles playing in the Super Bowl uh, last season uh, for the Eagles against the Chiefs, and uh, probably uh, Mailata has been great. But uh, Sipos, that was probably the game that ended up getting him uh, getting him cut from the Philadelphia Eagles. He's not in the league anymore. Back here in uh, in Australia and working with uh, with Hawthorne now as a as a uh, as an assistant. Um, for the upcoming AFL season. Uh, Chief, uh, we are going to have a quick listen here to some of the players that you caught up with. And uh, uh, you did... You, so how did how did this work? So you, you spoke to Justin Watson and, and Tommy Townsend. Was this... Uh, we, did you just see them floating about or was this up on the uh, up on the podiums? No, no, they were just floating about. Uh, but they still got tons of attention. It was, it was tough. You had to wait kind of online. And... <laughs> Um, there was a lot more professional people with uh, cameras, big cameras, and um, kind of want to let them go first. <laughs> so, um, yeah, they were, you know, uh, around and available to talk. And um, I, I picked out Justin Watson because we both went to the same college. And, 
Tommy Townsend, because obviously the, uh, the, you know, the punter angle that we should be uh, promoting here in Australia. Absolutely. All right, let's get stuck into it. Let's have a listen firstly uh, to your chat with uh, wide receiver Justin Watson. Yeah, I'm here with uh, Justin Watson, wide receiver, Kansas City Chiefs, number 84. Um, looking for back-to-back uh, Super Bowl champions. Now, you were back-to-back Ivy League champions at the uh, University of Pennsylvania. Um, can you explain the, the path of going from the Ivy League, not a normal path, to the NFL, um, how that worked out for you? Yeah, it was different. You know, I, I'm being honest, when I committed to Penn, I wasn't thinking about playing in the NFL. And... Uh, to see the whole journey to get drafted from Penn was really special. And uh, I think it's a different path, but there's a lot of things at Penn that I learned that, that other guys didn't. You know, when I got to the NFL, I knew how to budget because I wasn't on scholarship. You know, I learned how to find my own place to rent, bought my own furniture, knew how to cook, how to diet, all those things that you had to learn at Penn that they taught you at Penn. So when I got to the NFL, I, I had already learned all those skills. And, you know, the football is a little bit different, but, uh, you know, I think – they gave me all the tools to, to figure out how to be a great football player. Well, yeah, if you're a great player, they'll find you, and they certainly did. Um, well, good luck uh, on Sunday, and uh, hopefully another uh, back-to-back championship for you. Absolutely. Thanks so much. There you go. Justin Watson, the first of, uh, of your conversations, the wide receiver uh, from uh, the Kansas City Chiefs, and uh, he's been a uh, former Tampa Bay Buccaneer as well. So he's been, he's been around success, Chief. Yes, he was on the. Uh, didn't play much on that on that Super Bowl winning team with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, but obviously experienced uh, uh, Tom Brady. Actually, someone was asking him just before uh, I spoke to uh, Justin Watson about uh, comparing Tom Brady and, and Patrick Mahomes, which was interesting. He's one of the the yeah, maybe the only play. I, I don't know of uh, other receivers that have. Uh, uh, caught catches from both of those quarterbacks. So Justin Watson could be uh, in a unique company. Um, I wanted to speak to Kyle Juszczyk of the San Francisco 49ers who also came out of the Ivy League, Harvard. Um, again, it's very rare. There's no athletic scholarships, as, as uh, Justin Watson had said. So um, it's just a different, um, obviously much more focused on education. Actually, they're in the, the, the top levels called the football, the FBS, the Football Bowl uh, uh, Series. And that's, the, you know, all the big name college football. And then the division below, which used to be called Division One AA, is now called the Football Championship Series. But even the Ivy League teams aren't eligible for the postseason because they don't want to mess with the uh, final schedule. That's how um, there's much more of a priority on education. But Kyle Juszczyk, a fantastic fullback uh, for the San Francisco 49ers, and and Justin Watson, uh, the wide receiver of the uh, Kansas City Chiefs, uh, representing the Ivy League well. And uh, you had a quick uh, chat with the punter as well from the Kansas City Chiefs, Tommy Townsend. Tommy, um, played big-time college football in Florida. Now your opponent, your opposing punters from Australia and a lot of Australian punters uh, in the um, college, big five college football, but also in the NFL. Is there some in the punter community, the American punters, trying to show some pride <laughs> that you guys are still the best at the native sport? Yeah, I think, I think we all have pride for our country, but... Uh, but, you know, at the end of the day, it's uh, it's just fun to see guys go out and compete and kick footballs around, and uh, that's what we love to do. So uh, no matter who it is, where they're from, I mean, just love seeing it, love competing. Thank you. Yeah, thank you. Tommy Townsend, yeah, trying to put some uh, put some respect back on the names of the Ameri- of the uh, yeah the American punters because, 
you're right. The last couple of years, they have been outshone by the Aussies. Not that we're complaining. No, and it, it's great. And uh, it, it's interesting, really, on the, you know, the college landscape and those, those big southern schools, you know, Alabama and Georgia and Florida State, you know, having Australian punters. And you, you can see it, you know, uh, Mitchell's Nesk went to Utah, West Coast. You can kind of see uh, being appealed to Australia, the West Coast. But to go to the Deep South, and that's real hardcore you know, college football is, is uh, religion down there. Mm. So you're seeing it all over. And then obviously the NFL, and it's going to keep growing. Uh, there's obviously a bunch of the punters, uh, a bunch of the teams I just mentioned, their punters are, uh, you know, NFL prospects. Uh, we have I've got one more segment left in the program. And as we have always been doing over the last couple of nights uh, or mornings, uh, has been our top five. And uh, well, Chiefs top five, really. I'm putting it uh, on him uh, to pick his uh, top five Favourite footballers today. So, Chief, this is uh, you're allowed to be as biased as you can. You can pick whoever you want to pick. Who are your top five favourite footballers of all time? I want to start with number five, uh, William the Refrigerator Perry. Uh, Perry, uh, the fridge, as he was known. Uh, Chicago Bears defensive tackle. Uh, about six foot two, so yeah, what is that? Uh, 188 uh, centimeters and uh, 335 pounds, 150 uh, kilograms, and was the first player that he attacked for nine years old. And um, he was uh, a force to where they actually used him at the Chicago Bears, and head coach Mike Ditka used him as a running back. Uh, and, and he was dominant on the, you know, the big guy. Oh, I touchdown is very. We might we might reestablish your connection there, Chief. We want to do this top five uh, properly, so we might just hold fire for a little bit and uh, and get you to come back to uh, to do this uh, um, uh, in full. So we'll reestablish that connection uh, in just a second. But the top five, uh, if actually if you got any nominations, it doesn't have to be a top five off the text. But zero four double three ninety eight eleven sixteen. Maybe you got a top one or two or three. Uh, send through those and we'll uh, we'll read those out. We've got a bit of time left before the end of the program on zero four double three ninety eight eleven sixteen. We got you back there, Chief. Hello. Yes. Yes. There we go. All yes. Right. Uh, yeah, we're having. I'm sure we're not the only ones here. Uh, <laughs> Radio Row with some technical difficulties, uh, but yeah, uh, William the Refrigerator Perry uh, is a just is a you know bit of a <laughs> overweight kid with someone that I uh, could really uh, uh, root for. <laughs> um, one thing is he scored a touchdown in Super Bowl 20 as uh, he's the heaviest player ever to score a touchdown in the Super Bowl. Uh, but actually, uh, Walter Payton, who's an all-time legend, didn't score in a game. The final score is 46-3, to the Chicago Bears beating the New England Patriots. And uh, Walter Payton didn't get a handoff at the goal line, but uh, William the Refrigerator Perry did. So uh, the fridge is number five. Uh, number four is a New York Giant, Lawrence Taylor, quite possibly the best defensive player in the history of the game. Uh, the pass rusher extraordinaire, uh, just an absolute uh, monster on defense, just a game wrecker. Um, really the, the just the leading force of two giant Super Bowl champions, uh, championships. Um, and uh, Lawrence Taylor, just a absolute pleasure to watch play and just dominate on the defensive side. Uh, number three is a tight end of the New York Giants during that same era in the late 80s, early 90s. Two-time two champion tight end Mark Bavaro, uh, just uh, tough as nails. Uh, he went to Notre Dame, uh, just, a, uh, just a phenomenal player. 
and great man. I, I got to luckily got to meet him a bunch of times through a um, charitable foundation that a friend of mine runs, the Well Foundation. So I played some rounds of golf with Mark Pavaro and hearing some of the stories and um, just the classic. Uh, there, there's some great YouTube highlights of Mark Pavaro not being able to be tackled and dragging uh, the San Francisco 49ers defense back in uh, right at the 1989-1990, just dragging them. Um, so Mark Pavaro, number three. So two out of three, and we're back to another non-giant, and that's Peyton Manning. Peyton Manning, I'm a huge Peyton Manning fan. I'm a University of Tennessee uh, college football fan, and that's where Peyton Manning went to school, and um, we're about the same age. So when I was in college, I was watching. Uh, first, I'd go to the University of Pennsylvania football games, and they'd be done by about 3.30, and get, get uh, back to the, the dorm room or the fraternity house, wherever I was living at the time, and watch Peyton Manning uh, just run the show for the University of Tennessee, and you just knew he was going to be an absolute superstar when he got to the NFL, and, um, and he was, and it was just so much fun. It, kind of uh, as a Giants fan, but always would pull for uh, the Indianapolis Colts and Peyton Manning uh, in the NFL. And uh, number one is uh, Peyton's little brother and <laughs> uh, two-time Super Bowl MVP, two-time Super Bowl champion for the New York Giants, Eli Manning. Uh, just uh, if you're a Giants fan, you just have to be just so uh, pleased with uh, what they did to trade up to get him. And, and make him the franchise quarterback. And Eli is, uh, just was, uh, was such a great uh, face for the team and uh, was kind of a quiet player. But after his career, he's kind of done so much in personality and uh, humor. And uh, he's got a great show. Eli and Peyton have a great show together. The, uh, they watch Monday night football and talk about the game. They break the games down and they have guests on. And they obviously are, are breaking each other's chops. and doing good, you know, brother, uh, brother on brother uh, crime, <laughs> but just absolutely love the, uh, the Manning brothers. And that's why, you know, they were the AFC and NFC coaches for the Pro Bowl flag football, and I still didn't care. And that's, even though I love the Mannings that much, that's how much I don't want to see <laughs> flag football. But uh, no, Eli Manning, you know, 210 consecutive games started, never, never missed a game because of injury. And uh, obviously his two greatest moments were, were these weekends, uh, beating the, the New England Patriots twice and in an incredible fashion both times. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, the, only, uh, the only multiple uh, Super Bowl uh, starting quarterback winner for the, uh, for the New York Giants, the only one to win two or more um, at the New York Giants out of the four Super Bowls they've, uh, they've won in their history. So that just goes to show the... The, um, the the esteem that he is held in and the, and the achievements in his career, particularly to beat New England's uh, in in an era they were the dominant team and to do it twice, uh, as as Eli Manning has reminded us. Oh, are you ready? Are you ready? Go ahead, Ephesians. I'm Eli Manning. I'm nice. Tom Brady's the goat. Sight. I beat him twice. That's uh, Eli Manning in a in a rap in a, in a very friendly rap battle uh, and just uh, yes. telling people how good he was. <laughs> um, yes, I love the hold me back <laughs> at the end, and you know, he just he's got so much personality. He watched all the the funny comedies from the '80s through you know the 2000s, so he just so many great movie references. But 
it's just so funny because as a as a player for the Giants, he was you know so quiet, didn't really yeah. show a lot of his personality. <laughs> it was all business, and uh, and then once he's retired, you could just see what a, what a great sense of humor he has, and and um, and a great relationship he has with his his older brother Peyton and his oldest brother Cooper has even gotten in some ads, and uh, mm. obviously their father Arch, Archie Manning also uh, an NFL uh, great quarterback. Chief, that was uh, that was spectacular. Thank you uh, again, and uh, thank you in particular for getting some of those Kansas City Chiefs players on, and uh, we'll do it all again tomorrow as we continue to build up to this uh, Super Bowl. Thank you, mate. Oh, thank you, Jordy. The Chief from Las Vegas Radio Row in the lead-up to Super Bowl 58 coming up next Monday. You can listen to the call here on SEN. Uh, that's it for us today on the All-American Hour. All thanks to Winghouse. SEN Breakfast is up next. See ya.